Last week, you may remember, I uh, mentioned in passing that my son and I, Simon, are uh, kind of in our own personal book club. Anybody else in a book club? You should try it. It's kind of fun. Uh, he, uh, we, we like to read these books together because we lo- both love stories. Uh, and um, we like to read these books together and then sit down and talk about the characters or what, we, what spoke to us about these. And that's the book club, right? It's just two people. But our, our mutual kind of love affair with reading or with stories in particular began when he was just a little boy. It was probably just about the time he was just learning to read. Uh, he saw me reading something one day, and he goes, Dad, I want to read a book with you. And I don't want to read any little kid book. I want to read a real person's book, whatever that means. And, and um, I, not wanting to discourage a little boy's desire to, to read, uh, I tried to pick a book that I thought was interesting for me, and I, I hoped it was for him, just knowing who he was and what what his interests were. So I picked a Christian uh, fiction book, and the title of it, if I remember correctly, it's been many, many years ago, it was called The Blood of My Soul, and this was the premise of the story. Um, Somebody found a piece of the cross of Christ, and they were able to extract from the, the, they found a a minute trace of blood on the cross, and they were able to extract DNA from that blood. Very cool, right? So they extracted the DNA from the blood on the cross, and then they were able to replicate the, DNA, the blood. And they started thinking, brainstorming about what, what could they do with this, this, this replicated blood of Christ. And somebody said, well, what if we were to take that, that replicated blood of Christ and inject it into uh, the veins of a criminal? Would, that, would they be transformed? And we would never need another prison, and crime as we know it would, be, would almost disappear. I thought it was a great story. And apparently he did too, because as I said, we kind of, we've kind of grown together in, in this love affair with stories. I think everybody likes a good story ultimately. And this is why I think so. I think people like stories because everybody has one. Think about it. We love, whether it's reading or in a movie or whatever it is, we love um, getting lost in a story. We love injecting ourselves into the story. We uh, love getting to know the characters in the story. We love stories. But here's the deal. The coolest thing about a story, our story, is this. When a human being begins to understand that their story is intended to intersect with God's story, it's a game changer. Everything changes when we human beings, when we begin to figure out that our story is intended to interconnect with God's story. If you've been with us here at Prairie Bible Church for uh, the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been on a journey uh, to... Uh, gather the tools that we need to be equipped for the greatest responsibility a human being could ever have, and that is to share hope with the world. We have a responsibility as Christians. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we have a, a privilege and a responsibility to share 
the hope of the gospel, specifically, to share the gospel story, if you will, with the world. Now, that scares us. And so we are, what we're trying to do is to de- demystify the whole process. What we're trying to help you to understand is that uh, it's not nearly as scary as you may perceive it as being. And so we've been giving you these, these tools. And, and one of the things we talked about last week, for example, the, one of the most fundamental tools that you need to grab a hold of if you want to um, effectively share the story of the gospel is you need to know that God created you the specific person that you are for a reason. In other words, there are people in the world today that will never hear the gospel story unless they hear it from somebody like you. Unless they hear the gospel story or experience the gospel story from someone that has a story just like your story. You see what I'm saying? In other words, stop wishing you were somebody else and embrace the person that you are. Embrace even the things, the brokenness that your life has been. And instead of thinking, why did this happen to me? Start thinking, I wonder why this happened to me. Because there are some people, you know this too, don't you, Courtney? There are some people that will never hear the gospel story unless they hear it as part of your story. Because they'll go, somebody else gets it, right? Okay. So that's very, very important to know that who you are, even the brokenness of who you are, can be used by God in sharing the gospel story through your story. But here's the next part. Here's the next tool you need to grasp a hold of. If you don't learn how to tell your story in a way that other people want to listen to it, we got a problem. Have you ever known somebody that doesn't tell stories very well? You know what I mean. You are the expert at your story, and what we hope to today do is to provide you with the equipment that you need to become good at telling your story. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to to, um, John chapter 9, and I'm going to show you how to be good at telling your story. John chapter 9 goes like this. You heard a little bit of it. Uh, there just a moment ago. John chapter 9, you'll find the whole chapter for all intents and purposes is a story about a guy, a story by the way, remember? A story about a guy that was born blind. Now back in the day, when somebody was born with a disability, um, the way they provided for themselves, their job, their social safety net, if you will, was to, they would find a street corner and it would become their street corner and it was upon that street corner that they would beg. It sounds a little inhumane to me, but that was the system that they used. And um, anyway, this guy who was born blind has been sitting on this street corner now for years begging. But on this particular day, Jesus walks by. And as Jesus walks this by this guy who's been born blind, who's been on the street corner now for years. Everybody knows it. It's his street corner. As Jesus walks by, he sees the guy, and he does the strangest thing. He sees the guy, and he turns, and he spits in the dirt. And then he does something even more strange. He spits in the dirt, and then he takes his finger, and he goes like this, and he starts making mud from his spit in the dirt. And then he does something even more strange. He takes the mud 
from his spit in the dirt and he wipes it on the guy's eyes. And then he says to him, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now I wish I had time this morning because I love to tell stories as you can already tell. I wish I had time this morning to tell you the story of the pool of Siloam. when It still exists in Jerusalem today. And you can go and you can see it and there's a, there's a whole kind of history and legend that goes along with the story of the Pool of Siloam, but I don't have time to go into it today. Anyway, just the fact this guy has, who was born blind, he meets Jesus, Jesus spits in the mud, puts mud on his eyes and says, go wash in the Pool of Siloam. Guess what happens? Anybody know what happens? He gets healed, right? Cool story. He comes back, he's healed, and if we stopped right there, we'd go, that's awesome. I love that story. But it's the next part of the story that I want to draw your attention to. The guy comes back. He's so excited. I would be too. You would be too. First time in his life he is able to see. He comes back to that same street corner and people start looking at him like, Dude, is that you? He says, It's me! Now, you're, you mean you're this, your mom and dad is Joe and Sally? Yeah, my mom's dad's Joe and Sally. I'm the guy, right? And, and they said, what happened? And he recounts the story, right? He already, I just shared the story, but he tells them the story. He tells them how his life has been transformed by Jesus, how Jesus spit in the mud. is kind of gross, but it worked, right? And, and then it happened. He kind of veers off the road. He tells them about Jesus and all that Jesus has done for him, right? And then they say, well, who is this guy, Jesus? And he says, well, I'm not sure. Maybe he's a prophet. And guess what happens then? They start debating. And the argument begins to escalate. Well, he can't really be a prophet because of this and this. Or because he does that, he might be this, but he can't be. And it gets, the people start getting a little hot under the collar. And, and they all, everybody's got an opinion about this and that. Until eventually, it comes back around to the dude that had just been healed. And they said, now, who do you think he is again? And all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, I just made a huge mistake, didn't I? So... This is, this is what we just read. John chapter 9, verse 25. The guy who had been born blind and healed with mud, washing in, in the, the pool of Siloam, right? He stops and he goes in verse 25. He says, you know what? I, I don't know about any of that stuff, to be honest with you. I don't know who he is. But let me tell you what I do know. Are you ready? Let me tell you what I do know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And guess what happened when he, he shared what he knew? I don't know about any of that stuff, but what I do know is that once I was blind, and now I can see. And everybody stopped arguing. 
Pay no attention to those people behind them. <laughs> now, I don't want you to be distracted by that because this is very important. The argument stopped when he simply told them what he knew to be the truth. Once I was blind. But now I can see. This is what my life was before. And this is what my life is today. And who could argue with that? Right? So, let's, re- let's stop just a second and just recount what, exactly what happened in the story. The guy meets Jesus and is transformed. Okay? People start to notice because his life is different. That's important. Everything starts to go off the the tracks when he starts to offer opinion. And everything comes back onto the track when he remembers what he's really an expert about. Once I was blind, but now I can see. So how does all this apply to our lives? Remember before what I said what the purpose of today was? The purpose of today is to equip us what we need to tell our story in a way that other people can hear it and want more. So this is what I, what I see from this story. First thing I see is this. When you tell your story, be clear. Don't hem-haw around. Don't try to use a lot of religious words. Just tell your story. Once I was blind, now I can see. Um, be succinct. Don't add a whole bunch of details in because this is what happens. If you talk too much, I know there's a lot of fingers pointing at, back at me. <laughs> if you talk too much, people will get lost in the details. It's not that the details aren't important. But tell your story in such a way that they that if they're ready and if they want it, they can get more details by asking more questions, right? Be clear, be succinct, and be careful to share only that which you know. In other words, be careful with your opinions. You see, opinions are like noses. Did you, did you know that? Everybody's got one. Some people like big noses like mine. Some people like little noses. Who's to say whether an opinion is right or wrong? It's an opinion. So when you go to tell your story, be careful. It's not that your opinions are wrong. It's good to have opinions. But when you go to share your story, share your story, not your opinions. Because who can argue with that? Right? Before I met Jesus, I was insecure. Probably a lot of people are insecure. I know they are. It's just, we get really good at hiding our insecurities. So, I don't want you to know that I'm insecure. Before I met Jesus, I was very insecure. And I woke up every day 
thinking, what can I do to get Courtney to like me? Or thinking, if I can only succeed at that or do better at this, then I can earn somebody's approval. I can earn people's approval. And almost every day I went to bed thinking I failed. And then I met Jesus. And through a variety of ways, Jesus said to me, Craig, I just love you for who you are. Stop trying so hard. Now, he didn't say I was perfect. He just said, Craig, I love you for who you are. And then when I finally embraced that and believed that he did, he just loved me for who I was, I started thinking, well, maybe it's all right for me to love myself. Because if the king of the universe could love me, then maybe I'm lovable. By the way, if there's anybody here today who hasn't accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, you need to listen to me. He loves you just the way you are. And you don't have to try so hard anymore. Just accept the love that He's offering you. Guess what? That's my story. I didn't use a lot of religious words. I didn't go into a whole lot of detail. The reason why you know I didn't because you've heard all the details before. <laughs> and guess what? I was able to do it in less than a hundred words because I counted them. And you can too. Remember earlier when I said everybody has a story? You have a story. And it's your privilege. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, if your life has been transformed because you have met Jesus, you have a story. And there are some people who will not hear the story except for through you. Through your story. And it's your privilege and your responsibility to practice that story in such a way that people want to hear it. People can hear it so that they want to hear more. So, this is where the preacher goes from preaching to meddling because I've got homework for you all this week, all right? Didn't think you were going to come to church and have homework, but I'm going to give you some. And here it is. I want all of you, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if your life has, is different today because you have Jesus in your life, I challenge you to go home this week and to write down your story um, with clarity, with be succinct, without a lot of religious words, and without a lot of words in general. Try, try to do it in less than 100 words. You can do it. Distill it. 
And then I dare you to pray about it. I dare you to pray this in particular. Jesus, Craig said that there was somebody out there that would never hear the gospel story unless they experienced that story in my story. I'm asking you, Lord, to bring that person to me. Because remember one of the things that we learned early on in this journey? You need to stop thinking it's your job to come up with the opportunity, opportunities. It isn't, that's not your job. That's God's job. You just need to be ready for when that person who will only hear the gospel story through your story comes to you. And you'll know it. If you're paying attention, you'll know it. It could change everything. It could be a game changer. So...